Welcome to the We Go Boldly podcast. I'm Riley Karsh. And I'm Tova Kopan. And we're so excited to have you with us on this journey. We are inviting you to the forefront of your own life. We are pushing you to examine your own unique feminine mythology and release the anchors of unreasonable expectations. Tune in as we discuss everything from culture and relationships to careers and advocacy. Let's be bold and brave together. Hello and welcome to We Go Boldly podcast. We are, as always, so excited to be talking to you all this week and continuing our conversation around identity. And uh, we have a little bit of a different topic about identity this week. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that and see where we end up. But before we get into it, I'm going to, as always, say hello to my amazing co-host, Tova. How are you today, Tova? I am good. Thank you. We are recording this on a Friday morning, which is exciting to be doing. Um, I enjoy starting the day when we record because you always say, you know, hi, and you're amazing. And that's always a nice way to start the day. So I will take that. You <laughs> two are amazing. Hello oh, to you. Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> I like to give you a little pick me up, right? We've got to yeah. like, a, you know, recording takes a lot of energy. So it's good to start out with a boost. It's good it to does. like pick and, us and up. I'm not, not going to pretend that we didn't need an extra boost today. I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been a rough start for anyway. It's been a rough start for my day. Y'all it's been like, it's been a whole day and it's 10 AM. So I'm yeah. going to do my best for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and we, no promises. We, it's funny because, you know, we've always talked about, sometimes we have a whole podcast discussion about the podcast before the podcast. And today we did not do that, but we did. I think it was almost like we needed to get our wiggles out before we started, <laughs> but these are like verbal wiggles. Like, yeah, we just had a very long conversation about, I'm not totally sure what. Um, so hopefully that means we will be able to stay focused because even though this is a little different than the other episodes we've talked about, it is something that we both find really interesting. And it's something that I think we try to, at least where we can, um, kind of integrate it in our own lives. Some of the, these concepts of, um, like looking at, we're going to look at the, the broader picture of corporate identity, right. And what that means and what that is, but then also how we choose to like, kind of use our purchasing power um, when it comes to those corporations and businesses and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, so what we're talking about today, as Tova just mentioned, is this larger concept of organizational identity and what does that mean? And, um, how does that impact us as individuals? How does that impact us as, you know, Tova and I are small business owners, But then of course, you know, a lot of us, a lot of you listening, a lot of us, um, in our, in our past lives, uh, and possibly in our current lives have worked for organizations. And we know that organizations have an identity, right. And that, that impacts how they function in the world. And that in, in general, organizations want to sort of dictate and direct what that identity looks and feels and sounds like because it directly impacts how their kind of brand and names and and um, economic success looks in the world. And so we're going to talk about that today and we're going to kind of dive into what that means for us as individuals, but then how can we 
either as small business owners or as people who, you know, work within the, the walls of organizations, how can we impact how that, um, how that plays out? So let's, let's take a minute and, and, uh, and get into it. Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, definitely. And I know that, um, you did a lot of the research for this, but I've always been sort of interested in the arc that sort of this has taken and sort of where we, where we are right now. Um, I know that now we've just come through, well, we're obviously in a very busy season of purchasing. Um, but you know, just a few weeks ago we were in Thanksgiving and it was black Friday and cyber Monday. And there has been a very big push over the last, well, maybe decades, but certainly a few years with, um, small business Saturday and shopping local and obviously shopping local, they're benefiting your immediate community, but there's environmental benefits to shopping local. Um, but I like, I like thinking about this whole arc of this concept of starting out with small businesses from, you know, generations ago, centuries ago. And then there was this sort of growing of these larger companies. And yet I think people still related to these larger companies as if they were kind of small businesses. There was a lot of catalog sales, but maybe you did it through a small business or a local company. And then there was the big box store, but with the advent and the increase of social media, now we're sort of back where small businesses once again have a fighting chance against these larger companies. And then of course there are companies like Amazon who are still, you know, it's not like big companies are struggling. Um, there's enough to go around, but there's, there's this been this whole, you know, arc, but I think more than ever, um, people get, can get to know a company. And so a corporation or an organization's identity, um, is very important. And we get to know a company beyond just a commercial, right? Because a lot of times now, with streaming services, people aren't watching television commercials. People aren't listening to the radio like they used to. And so say for maybe sporting events where you have to watch uh, the commercials, you know, people are um, getting a lot of their corporate identity information from the stands that corporations make maybe on social media or just different places. And I think it's very interesting because I feel like now I have, I couldn't have told you in the nineties and maybe I just wasn't paying attention as a teenager, like what corporations were, you know, quote, good or bad or which ones other than like Exxon, Exxon was bad in my head, right? They, they, you know, had a huge oil leak and they didn't clean it up. And I don't think I let my dad stop and get gas from Exxon for at least a decade, <laughs> like maybe more. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I had any concept of, you know, corporations um, being involved in any sort of good cultural benefit or value or putting their identity out there beyond just saying, yeah, they make a good appliance. And I think now it's a lot different than it was. Yeah. I think it took a lot more effort and intention to understand the value behind a, a corporate identity. 
Um, but let's backtrack for a second and just talk about what is corporate identity before we kind of dive into what can corporate identity accomplish, right? And so when we're talking about identity in the in the sense of an organization, so it's not just a corporation, right? It's any kind of organization in general. So outside the purview of just your, your individual identity, when we're talking about an organization, we're looking at essentially three elements and a, a complete identity would be something that composes um, purpose, value, and culture. So when you're putting those three things together, you're coming up essentially with a complete organizational identity. And, and when you can come up with whatever your, your purpose is, you can add value behind that purpose. And then within those that, you know, you, you pull together your purpose, you add value to it. And then around that, you build a culture, uh, a, you know, a cohesive kind of organizational culture. That's when you create an organizational identity. And that's, that's the concept we're talking about today, right? So that's the the entirety of what we're we're looking at. So it's not the it's not quite the same as an individual's identity. That's a that's a um, a narrower concept, right? So you can um, you can sort of create this. Uh, you can create this within an organization, and then you can change it over time, which we've seen lots of organizations do. And we can we've seen it sort of successfully change. And then we've seen it change in ways that have been, um, <laughs> I think far less successful and, and not, not look very credible, right? We've seen people or organizations, I should say, try to make changes to their identity and you, you see it come out and then you're like, oh, that doesn't seem very honest or like, you know, like it's, it's something that you kind of can get on board with. Um, and so like I said, that's that's the framework that we're working with today in this conversation. Um, and so when you, you know, much like when you are doing what we talk about all the time and you're listening to your inner voice and you're trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be, when you're talking about an organization, you you go through a lot of these similar processes in order to sort of identify what that purpose, value, and culture is going to be, and or if you're looking to change or expand that that process, it's it's a it's a similar um, it's a similar look. It's just much bigger, right? Because there's usually a lot more stakeholders involved. And you're trying to accomplish something, I think, a bit larger in scope and scale. So what we're talking about, I guess, is is something that generally involves, you know, pulling together a lot of stakeholders and sitting down and going through the process of mission statement and value propositions and, and all of those sorts of things. If you've been involved in any, any kind of, um, you know, corporate retreats or things of that nature, I know I have, and it's always the, you know, those things where you do the breakout rooms and everybody writes on the big giant post-it boards. Maybe, maybe it's all electronic now. I don't know. I'm, I'm dating myself, but you know, you come up with your value statements and your mission statements and your, your propositions of where you want to be in five, 10, 15 years. And, the, and you sort of move forward from there. Um, and once that all kind of comes together, then you, you create your, like I said before, you create your purpose, your value, and, and out of that, you build your, your culture. Um, 
and that's <clears throat> excuse me that's that's the process by which a corporate or cult, um, organizational identity forms and grows and changes yeah and I, you know i similar to we've talked a lot about mission statements individually i think um it is helpful both to have that mission statement to guide a corporation and then to be flexible as like you said uh, to change it as as time goes on and going back to what you're saying about when we look at corporations and you can kind of tell that they're being inauthentic with what they're saying, when you're talking about, you know, purpose, value, and culture, you know, to me, partly I'm thinking about, you know, what is the, their identity in the, the face that they are putting to the public, like the, the, the very forward facing public face but then what is also the face that they're putting to the public in the sense of how do they treat their employees? Because if the company is large enough, word gets out how they're treating their employees, right? And frankly, it, even in a small town, in a community, maybe, maybe the company doesn't actually have to be that large for you to get, for the word to get out that that's not a place that you want to work. That's not, so you know, no amount of donations is going to overcome. That's not a place that you want to work or that's not a place that you want to do business because your experience has been that your cousin, your brother, your friend, your neighbor um, had a bad experience there or used to work there and wasn't treated kindly. But we've all seen very large corporations have a general reputation for being a bad place to work. And then it's almost humorous when they try to come out and say something about general workers' rights or something. And you're like, what now? Like, we, we know, <laughs> we know your reputation for what it's like to work at your company. Um, and I think that, you know, other companies have the opposite approach. And we are obviously in a time right now where hopefully we are in a shifting experience where people are recognizing that workers have not been valued for decades and, and hopefully something good comes out of this whole time that, that maybe people and workers are in a position to demand, you know, better, better experiences. But I think that outward facing isn't just, you know, who we are donating to and who we are sponsoring, what events we're sponsoring, but also are we providing a good place to work? Are we providing a place that is, you know, adding to the community that way as well? Because there's more than one way to put a public identity, you know, out front. And I know I'm still currently working at a multinational corporation and I get surveys multiple times a year. That's like, would you recommend this place to work to somebody else? They very much care if I would recommend working there to someone else. That is, you know, one of their, their concerns. And maybe they don't care if I personally recommend it, but they care if as a company, they would recommend it. And they are continually looking to do things. And some of them work and some of them don't, but they're continually looking to do things to make our company a better place to work. Right. And you know, a lot of times companies probably just need to pay people better um, in general, you know, but I still think that like our company 
read the tea leaves with um, COVID and they added mental health days. They added two days within the year. Um, and then they included within those days, not just, hey, these are random days off, but each week leading up to them are days that are weeks that are focused on, you know, reminding people what kind of mental health services are provided with our HR and in our insurance and all of that kind of stuff. Um, encouraging people to take advantage of what the company offers. And so that's something that if somebody said, Hey, how do you like working where you work? I would, that would, you know, that's something that the identity, you know, the identity of the company that I would share publicly. Um, and then our company does a bunch of good philanthropic stuff, but I think that the, this concept of culture and the identity that they're putting forward really does make a big difference. Um, and it, it matters if the, the business is small in an in-person. And it also, we've seen many, many times when you look at smaller companies um, that are mostly web-based or you know social media that you start hearing things and then one thing comes out and suddenly, you know, they're reevaluating or we're going to take a step back to reevaluate because, um, the, you know, the, whatever was happening behind the scenes wasn't good and it becomes public. Right. I think, um, you know, all of that is true. And I think obviously this more connected sort of life we live now makes it even clearer who is doing what and when. And so companies and organizations need to consider all of this when figuring out what their identity is going to be and what kind of decisions they want to put forward and what sort of, um, you know, values that they're placing out there in the world. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I think, you know, we'll dive into this concept of organizations and companies as sort of agents of social change. So let's take a break and we'll talk about that in a minute. Every year people set goals, resolutions, and plans around the new year. This year, we suggest that you consider something different. This year, we want you to put aside all the things you thought you knew about changing your life. This year, we challenge you to take the time to put yourself and your purpose first. In January, we are reopening our Limitless Life Sisterhood. For 10 weeks, we will work together to open up your heart and mind to your potential. Join our waitlist today by signing up on our website at www.goboldlyinitiative.com. Start this year off supported and in deep sisterhood. Join us today. Now back to the show. All right. So welcome back. And um, like I said, right before the break, let's talk about how organizations and companies and corporations, whether, you know, on a small scale or on a, you know, like we, you were talking about earlier, Tova on a, on a multinational organization scale, whether organizations can be agents of social change. And if they can, you know, how do they do it in a way that is credible, right? Because we've all seen the sort of major fails where you see an organization sort of jump on a bandwagon and go, oh, yeah, I really care about social issue X, Y, Z, but it doesn't seem to align in any way with whatever 
product they're trying to sell or, or whatever they've been doing for the last 30 years. And so you feel, you see their campaigns or whatever they're doing and you go, well, I, I feel like you're just trying to sell more stuff. You don't, you like, I don't know why you're even talking about this. Cause it has nothing to do with anything you've done for 30 years. And you're just trying to get me to buy your jacket or whatever it is. Right. Um, and then on the flip side, you have companies like, I, I don't know, the first one that always comes to mind is Patagonia, right. Which has been on, <clears throat> on the, on the cutting edge of conservation and environmentalism since it was founded. And so every time they talk about um, preserving land or uh, environmentalism, you're like, yep, this is hundred percent in line with everything you've ever done. And so, you know, anything they do relating to that makes it just fully aligns with everything else they've been doing. And so you see those two contrasts of, of, corporate behavior and you go, okay, well, one feels credible and one doesn't. Um, but when you're an organization and you want to sort of be an agent of social change, kind of how do you, how do you go about doing that in an authentic way? And I think one of the first and most important things is you don't just throw money at something, right? Your, your actions have to align with your words. You, you can't, just sort of give money to something and then walk away. You have to take real steps to help. And those steps need to somehow align with the rest of what you're doing. And like Tovo, you were saying before, if you're interested in, you know, if your corporation or your organization is interested in, you know, equal rights, but you're not paying your workers equally, <laughs> you know, like that, that's a real conflict. So you have to sort of look at what it is you're doing as a, as a organization before you step into the arena of whatever social change that you're talking about. And it's very important that you sort of align all of these things in order to have an authentic voice. Well, and I always think, I mean, Nike was to call out Nike was a perfect example of this where they try to have, you know, advertisements and I love Nike advertisements as much as the next person, you know, they're so motivational and you just want to go and like, just do it right after you watch them. And you're like, yeah, but like <laughs> they would have these, um, you know, advertisements try celebrating women and motherhood and you're like, but cool, cool, cool. But then you, um, Hey, women who have babies, less money for their sponsorship or you, decide not to pay them or, uh, will pay you less after you have a baby or will decide not to pay you after you have a baby. So that advertisement's great and all that you have a beautiful pregnant athlete on your ad, but we all know that Allison Felix, who, by the way, after she had a child came back, made her own shoes, sold them out and also won gold medals at the Olympics. So bad on you, Nike. But like after she had a child, you dropped her from her contract. So it's really fun and neat that you put a pregnant athlete in your ad and well done you, but we know what you did. So they got a boatload of public backlash and they've changed. I don't know. They have a policy. I think now that they won't reduce contracts for 18 months, sort of you get like a year basically 
um, after you have a baby and eight months before, I don't know what they done, but they've, they've tried to listen. We'll see if it actually works, but that's a time where they're saying one thing publicly trying to, and behind the scenes, they're saying something very different. And I think that is where in the eighties or nineties, obviously they wouldn't have had a commercial with a pregnant woman. I get that in the eighties or nineties, but apart from that, the athletes would not have had the position or an opportunity um, unless they were able to have a press conference, which is not likely to happen, um, to say, I was dropped from Nike because of this reason. But now all you have to do is get on Twitter or get on social media. And so it has allowed athletes or individuals, um, a single individual to be a essentially a whistleblower um, and show the hypocrisy of some of these companies. And I think what it has meant it is it has required companies who are unlike Patagonia, who were not already always in alignment with what they said and what they did to get in alignment um, or stop saying things, frankly, right? So either, either you stop saying things and be disingenuous or you need to get in alignment. Those are your two choices. Right. And the great thing I think about all of these sort of public missteps that large organizations have made, you know, you look at something like Uber or, you know, some of the larger, like Pepsi had a a pretty big gaffe recently. And you look at some of these missteps and how public they are is that one, it sparks conversation, right? And and it's so public now that you can't really miss it. And so it sparks conversation around the issue itself, which is it is good, right? Like it's more conversation around whatever social justice issue is, is coming up is, is a good thing, but two, it requires these large organizations to look at what is their corporate culture? What is their identity and how can they be more authentic? How can they take these learning experiences and then turn them into ways to be better? And is that, I mean, if that's happening, right? Like it's not always happening. And I know I sound a little Pollyanna right now, like, yay, everything's great. And I know that it's not, and I don't mean to downplay like the absurdity of it all, because it, it is the, the fact that we're even here in almost 2022, having to have these conversations still is, is beyond frustrating and infuriating, but the fact that they are happening finally is on, on the flip side is a, is a great thing. No, but I, I think you're, you know, there is a, a Pollyanna factor and I love, let's be honest, that you are the Pollyanna person for a moment here. Let's <laughs> it's just a miracle. Celebrate. It's a miracle. Let's just celebrate that for a moment. <laughs> but um, let's not shortchange the fact that in ways that we don't realize, corporations can be um, the agents of change. And, you know, when, when we look at climate change, for example, and the Paris um, Accords and you know, we entered into them. Corporations started to make significant changes. Then we had a new administration that came in and said, actually, oops, no, we're not going to do it. Many of the corporations were like, well, we already started. So we're just going to keep going because either the states are going to require us to, or at some point we're going to be back in a different administration 
or we're going to get flack from our consumers or maybe Pollyanna. It was actually the right thing to do, you know, like one of those four scenarios. But when I've listened to environmentalists and scientists um, who are generally not too optimistic, which I can't think about because my heart gets really tight and, you know, my chest, but (laughs) yes, um, (laughs) but they're one bit of optimism often is that the corporations, not all of them, obviously, but some of them actually are still just moving along despite, not despite, but in spite of the government, like totally, like, despite what the government says, they are going to continue to move according to the, basically the Paris Accord. So, you know, we can flip flop back and forth between our two, you know, the two political parties or whatever, but the corporations are on a certain trajectory and we can continue to hold them accountable outside of the political arena. And so that is something to remember and that does matter. Um, And I, I also think that it is interesting, you know, you mentioned Patagonia, but then there's like companies like Ben and Jerry's where they are very, very vocal on social media. Um, and initially at first I was like, okay, but you were like an ice cream company started by two white guys in Vermont. I don't, but at the same time, they've been vocal. We weren't paying attention, but they have been fairly vocal almost the whole time the company's been around. Yeah. So as a, as a New Englander, I'm going to jump in. They've been vocal forever. And so the, the interesting thing about some companies, I think is that, you know, if you've been paying attention and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording is there are companies that have been active in social change and social justice issues since, you know, since their inception in, but you had to look for it, right? Like you had to actually try to find it because as you were, I think you were mentioning Hallmark, right? Like that they're quiet about their, their donation space, right? Like that they're quiet about their activities. And, and that's, that's, I think that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But part of the interesting conversation around one of the interesting conversations around identity is that, and this is where I get a little too far up into the clouds is that, you know, how do you understand identity unless you can talk about it and see it and unless it's public, right? Like, unless there other people know that it's happening. And so when we're talking about organizational identity, if people don't know what you're doing as an organization, is it part of your identity? Is it part of your organizational culture if it's not public? And so when, you know, I, you know, was born in New Hampshire, I lived in Vermont for a long time. We took field trips to Ben and Jerry's. Everybody be jealous right now. Cause it was amazing. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not jealous cause I have been to Ben and Jerry's many times. So it was so great. It's awesome. Anyway. Um, and so, you know, I happen to know, uh, you know, an, a, a weird amount about Ben and Jerry's, but, <laughs> you know, but if you didn't grow up around that, I guess, maybe you wouldn't know how involved they've been in social justice and conservation and anti-racism for, for, I don't know, as long as they've been around. Um, and that's just a part of their 
culture. That's a part of their corporate culture. Um, and it's a part of who they are and that's, which is wonderful. Um, and, but there's a lot of, I think, organizations that are, well, I don't know about a lot, but there are organizations like that, that have not put that information out there. And I'm assuming it's in an attempt to not trade on it, right? Like in an attempt to not um, turn it into a, hey, look at me, I want a cookie, I'm doing all these things. On the flip side of that, does it become, and this is I, this is just a conversation to be had, does it become a part of your identity if people don't know you're doing it? Well, and I think it, it depends when we're looking at identity. So I have a friend who has, who's a part of a company and I'm not going to say the name of the company. Um, I think she listened. So, Hey, um, but, uh, you know, and her company has grown fairly significantly in the last couple of years. Um, and I imagine on a local level, people are very, and it's a national company. I mean, they're all over the country. Um, but where the actual main headquarters is, that's where they do most of their philanthropic work. And so on a local level, I'm sure it is very much a part of the company's identity, very, very much. Um, but because the company grew so fast, there's not like a foundation, right? Like there isn't like the company's foundation. Um, instead, it's like, oh, well, we always donate this amount to this organization and this here and this there and this here. And, you know, Janie does this and Susie does this and Billy does this. And I don't know why these names are coming up, but um, I feel like every time I pull a name, it's from the 50s. But um, uh, <laughs> um, actually, I think they were all from a Christmas song. But um, anyway, they, uh, you know, they don't have a, and they might now, but I know that that was an issue was like, okay, now we're like, we're over a billion dollar company. Like we need a foundation. We need like our, our philanthropy doesn't need to change. We're not, it's not like we're going to like pull things out from people and be like, oh, well now we're bigger. We're not going to donate to you locally anymore, but now it can be a larger, more focused effort as well. And it can be also on a larger scale and more on a national scale because they are a national company. And so I think that is something that happens in a lot of companies that if you were to go wherever Hallmark is located, right, you would say, I, I bet they do boatloads of local stuff. Um, I don't know. Or I was thinking like, I just watched a Lifetime Christmas movie with Reba McIntyre. It was a delight. And um, throughout it, it was, of course, the troops were involved. And I believe, because um, that happens in many of these holiday movies, um, Riley's laughing, but it's true. Um, but throughout it, I believe they were doing a fundraiser for an organization to help families of the troops. I don't know. I, I watched it later, so I'm not sure what was going on. Wait, but was the fundraiser in the movie or it was a live well movie? there was a fundraiser happening in the movie to support the families of the troops but there was actually a live fundraiser happening like during the commercial breaks like the fundraiser oh. on the movie was the snowball and it was a big okay. event and Reba McIntyre was just going to sing with her ex-husband and it was going to bring them together and you know yeah Christmas magic but yep. while it was actually happening I believe there was actually also a real like live fundraiser that Lifetime was putting on. Um, and I don't know how it was done because I saw it later to raise money for an organization 
supporting troops. And so that, you know, is a way, but, but like, you didn't know that, like, you would never think like lifetime movie, you know, they're out there supporting the troops and hosting fundraisers and bringing, you know, light certain issues. And that's okay because the lifetime movie watchers know. Um, so I think there's, you know, um, there's a variety of different ways to do these things. And I think the key is to make sure I, you know, that you're authentic. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, Because when you try and do something and it doesn't feel credible or authentic to your organization or to what you've been putting out there or what you're already doing, or, you know, like we were saying way back in the beginning, you know, what's happening within your organization, then it just makes people angry, right? Or disappointed. Well, and so I will look at, you know, I'm okay if people have like aha moments, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm okay, like I'm okay if the first time, I mean, I'm not excited, don't get me wrong, but I am okay if the first time someone talked about social justice and racial inequality was putting a black square on their Instagram account. I am not okay if that is the last time they talked about social justice and racial inequality. Yeah, I mean, I'm not baking them cookies. I'm not baking them cookies, but I will tell you now, before I add a business, I scroll back to May, 2020. And I see what they said and I see what they said since, and I do a little digging and I'm not excited that that's the first, like I said, I'm not excited. I'm not giving anyone cookies. I'm not giving them a gold star, but, um, and and I'm telling, you know, and I'm not saying like, you know, kudos to you, but I do recognize that sometimes it takes people longer to wake up, but I am not okay if that's the last thing that they say, if it is just for show, and then they are not doing anything else. Right. right. Well, like, I, I think that's what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is if, if what you're doing is performative and an attempt to simply capitalize on a moment and increase your bottom line, people are going to know, right. If that's your goal and I've, we've, we've all seen that happen and we've seen it happen in the last five years over and over again. And I take those as learning moments for other organizations. Um, and I think in some ways it's like I said before, in some ways it's good because it continues the conversation around these particular, you know, all a whole host of social justice issues. It's terrible because you see, these organizations trying to capitalize on very real issues. Um, But the more conversations we have, the better, right? Um, However, if you, as a, as the leader of an organization, as a, as an employee of an organization, as somebody who has a say in where their money gets spent, you know, we, we all have some degree of power in this, kind of conversation. And so understanding the sort of, I don't know, best practices, I think is important. And that's, I I think the crux of this conversation is where, 
where do you build identity as a, as a group, as an organization, as a corporation or whatever, however you want to describe it. And how can you do it in a way that is authentic, that is not performative, that is not about just saying, oh yeah, this is the latest issue that people are talking about. And I want to, you know, I want to sell my widgets. So I'm going to talk about it too. Um, you know, I was, when I was researching this episode, I was, I don't know, I forget which laundry company, but the uh, detergent company, they did a campaign in India and it was about, um, they were promoting their laundry detergent, but their campaign was super successful. And it was about, it was about getting, um, more men to do laundry, right? Like that was, it was, the campaign was called share the load and it, and it had a, like a pledge associated with it. And I forget what the numbers were. So I'll just make something up. Sorry. (laughs) But it was like some astronomical number of men signed the pledge to share the load of doing the laundry. And, you know, in India, that was a big deal at the time that it happened to get more men on board with sharing the workload of doing, doing the laundry in the house. And this uh, laundry detergent company obviously did this partially as a way to increase the, you know, their bottom line to make money on selling their detergent. But also it's a, it's a social change movement, right? It's a way to equalize the household labor in some way. And that, that if you look at the balancing of scales there, that's a, that's a good thing. So as an organization, obviously the goal is to make money. Like that you have to make money in order to continue the business, to pay your employees. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Like that's the goal. That's a good thing. People need to get paid. People need to be employed. Every, you know, everyone needs their benefits and their insurance. This is a good thing. Um, and if along the way you can do things that align with what your mission is, um, and to, you know, make people's lives better, that's a great thing. And that was, I just thought that was such a good example of getting out there and adding value to your consumers. Well, and I think it's also important to note that they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yes. That it's, it doesn't have to be, and, and people need to stop pretending that it's one or the other. Right. And maybe I, you know, in the the veil of the Hallmark movie trope where it's always like the big villains and they're just trying to make a dollar, but like (laughs) it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, one or another you, it can be, and it should be both. Yep. Um, And if we are going to continue to be stuck in this overly capitalist society, which is probably another podcast, um, then we do really need to rely on these corporations and businesses to do their fair share of altruistic and socially justice-minded behavior, frankly. I think we need to take a very quick break and we will be right back. We launched our podcast with the goal of reaching other people who might be struggling or looking for something more out of life. We've been broadcasting for almost a year and we are proud of where we are today. We have so much more to say and so many more people to reach, and we can't wait to keep growing and learning and talking with all of you. We need your help to keep going. Every episode takes time and money to create, and we would love your support. 
If you like what we are doing, please support us by joining our Patreon community and becoming a monthly subscriber. Join our Patreon community today at patreon.com slash we go boldly. Now back to the show. So welcome back. We are going to wrap it up, but before we jump right to the homework, because we do need to wrap it up, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what we can do um, as consumers. Um, and, I, you know, I do sometimes feel like there isn't a lot we can do. And yet other times I feel like there is a lot that we can do. And I, I was telling Riley before the show, and I just learned about this happening yesterday, but there's a, a woman who has a blog um, and she's on Instagram and her, I want to make sure I say it right. Um, she is called things I bought and liked, and that's her blog. And she has started sharing teacher wish lists. And I believe these are all um, teachers from Title I schools. And she has shared their Amazon wish lists on her blog. And she has started a amazing social media campaign to get uh, corporations and anyone, honestly, and, and she has not been afraid to call out corporations and say, by the way, individuals and organizations and small companies are doing better than you. So do better um, to fill these wish lists. And she is using her voice and her platform to tag big corporations and they are coming to the rescue. And she is also using her, her wittiness to uh, congratulate them. And then, you know, Clorox donated for a ton of wish lists or fulfilled a bunch of wish lists and she thanked them and called out Lysol. <laughs> and then Enterprise Car Rentals um, fulfilled a bunch of wish lists. And then she called out, you know, Alamo and Hertz and all of those. And, you know, that that is something unique to what she's doing, but it is kind of amazing as a way to help folks. And not to say that all of these corporations aren't um, already making philanthropic donations, but it's just a way for her to do something really neat and special at this time of year. Um, but I've often talked to my kids about the fact that, you know, me making decisions to buy something from a certain restaurant or a certain store doesn't drastically affect their bottom line. Although we have seen over the years that when everybody does it, it actually does drastically affect their bottom line. Um, but, you know, we only have so many dollars in our budget every month and I get to choose where those dollars go. And so I am not going to choose to spend them on what I admit to be delicious chicken and fantastic lemonade, but from a fast food restaurant that supports, you know, anti-gay and LGBTQ plus um, justice and rights and actively tries to hurt that community. So our money does not go to them. Do they care that probably once every two months we would go there and we don't? Probably not, but we care. And so we don't go there. Um, we have seen, and I am blanking on the name of the website, but it made a really big difference at the beginning of Trump's presidency. Um, and I'm going to try to think of it. Maybe you can talk Riley and I'll think of it. But when they started um, calling out organizations that were either politically supporting him or financially supporting him or different companies 
people would stop shopping from there and they would, um, I'll think of it or I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, there you <laughs> but, go. But masses of people would stop shopping at different places. And that does really make a difference. We do actually have power in our spending. Yeah. And, and I think we've seen that happen time and time again. And when you see a large organization do something that people are disgusted by or offended by or upset with you, there are repercussions and we've seen that happen multiple times. Um, and like you, Tova, I, you know, I remember when, when, I, and I can't remember that I also cannot remember, no surprise, um, what that website was or what that organization was that was, that was collecting names. Um, but anyway, it's, it's irrelevant. We can put it in the notes if it's, if it's needed, I don't think it's needed anymore, but, um, and yeah, collectively we do have quite a bit of power as individuals, um, it with, with where we spend our money, but also it's a matter of principle. Like if you yourself choose not to spend your money in places where, um, you don't agree with the, the positions taken by that organization, that company, then you are standing up for what you believe in, right? That's a way that you can stand on your beliefs and what you said is true. Perhaps it, that organization doesn't care one way or the other, but if enough people do the same thing, then they will care and they will notice and perhaps their, their positions will change or not. Either way, you're doing what you believe in. And that's important for your own personal well-being, your own personal sense of um, self. And, and these are things that I, I think are necessary for us as, as individuals, as humans. Um, so I think it's time to uh, look at our homework for the week and um, think about what we're going to do. So homework, um, basically we just gave you your homework, but we're gonna tell you again. Um, so what we want you to do is look at your purchasing habits in your household and think about what we just talked about. Are any of your purchasing habits impacted by social causes? And if so, in what ways? You know, Maybe break out your journal and make a list like, do you shop exclusively online? Do you shop locally? Um, do you, you know, do you have a main street in your town? And if so, do you spend any time and money there? Um, make a list, see what, see what comes up. And once you do that, are there ways that you could change how you spend money to make any kind of social impact and, or to make an impact on how you feel about where you're spending your money? Um, I think both are important and you'd be surprised about how you feel about where your money goes. It might, it, it might change how you look at things. So um, give that a try this week. And then don't forget to join us uh, over on Instagram at go boldly together. Let us know what you find with doing your homework this week. And um, that is it for this week. We will be back next week with a bit more on identity. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We're honored you took the time out of your busy day to listen and grow with us as we strive to build 
and intentional life filled with purpose, meaning, and courage. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts today to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to We Go Boldly Podcast so you get notified when our next episode is live. How are you creating a purposeful life? What is holding you back? Let us know over on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Go Boldly Together. For more information on the show and how we can work together to create your best and boldest future, visit WeGoBoldlyThePodcast.com today. Stay tuned each week and join us in creating a bold society of limitless women.